Mr. Benfica is a production of the PTB Media Network. All rights reserved. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, CastBox, Overcast, Himalaya, Pod Paradise, TuneIn, Breaker, and now available on iHeartRadio, Radio.com, and also on Audible for Amazon Prime subscribers. As always, select episodes available on YouTube and, of course, at www.mrbenfica.com. Please like, share, and rate the show on your preferred platform. Enjoy the show. Benfica Nation, welcome to another episode of Mr. Benfica. This is episode 133, and I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinu, here with you again after about a month or so since you've heard, since you last heard from me, I should say. Uh, last episode, episode 132, we talked about Georges Zouge leaving. So tonight in this episode, I know it's been a while, like I said, this hasn't been the weekly format that I shoot for. Um, a lot going on in my personal life and in my uh, professional life causing that. But I am here tonight and I will um, just give some general thoughts, some recap uh, to the first four matches of the second Nelson Verissimo era here at Befica. Some of my observations, some things I'm seeing, some things I'm not seeing. What you won't get here tonight is me calling for firing the manager again. Okay, I'm going to talk about what I've seen and talk about what I think can be done with this manager in the meantime. Okay. Uh, again, there there's a toxic just belief in football in general, but especially in Portuguese football that that sacking the manager is is the answer to every single problem. And uh, well, it just isn't. And I said when George Jesus stepped down and even before before that that I thought Nelson Verissimo was the right guy for now, for the rest of the season. I stand by that. Um, I know a lot of people got got some some hopes and some romantic dreams of this turning into the Lige, uh, the Bruno Lige 2.0, but the, that was really never going to happen. 
that was very unlikely. What happened under Lige is something that does not happen very often. You don't sack a manager, make no changes to the team, and then turn it around. I shouldn't say make no managers, no changes to the team, but you don't not go on the transfer window, <laughs> not go and and find players, just change the manager, and just like that, he goes on almost a year long unbeaten streak in order to uh to make a historic comeback and win the title like like Lige did there in what was it 2019 I think 2018 2019 but again any hopes of that happening here were crushed right in the first really right in the first match of this Verissimo era and to be fair to Verissimo Nelson Verissimo you know it's not easy to start against Porto it's not easy to start at the Ladrão especially on the back of a cup game against that very same side. Uh, he had to face Porto twice in his first two matches. Just not... Um, I shouldn't say that. No, JJ JJ uh, was responsible for the cup outing. And um, Nelson Verissimo took over for the league match. And basically with any realistic championship hopes in the balance, had to try to put this group together and to get a result at the Dragon. And it wasn't to be... I'll talk a little bit about that today. Um, then we had the the Pastor Fajeda match where it looked like, you know, you, you saw some improvement. But then the world came back crashing down to reality when uh, Morenes came to the Luge and eked out a result against us. And now this past weekend, um, probably the ugliest match I've seen Befica play in recent memory. That first half against Oroca, for me, the worst that I have seen in a very, very long time. Um, so I'll, I'll talk about that too. I'll, again, I'm going to summarize some of the things I'm seeing, some of the adjustments I'm seeing being made, some of what I'm not seeing, and I'll give you some hypotheses as to what I think might be the whys to the what's that we're seeing or not seeing. And um, we'll recap you know, the rest of this round of the Portuguese League, the, the Liga Portugal B-Win. Uh, we'll run down the table as we usually do, and we'll be caught up to speed, as you know, the Portuguese League Cup Final Four kicks off on Tuesday. Uh, that's 25th of January. By the time you hear this, some of you um, will be hearing this after that already, after that match uh, kicks off. Befica taking on Boa Vista at the, at the Magalhães Pessoa in Leiria, in, uh, in, I guess you could say, my home district in Portugal, or at least in my father's home district of Portugal, in the district of Leiria. And Befica hoping to get back to another final in the Portuguese League Cup. This is a competition we have dominated throughout its history, but in recent times we have been we have not been to a final in a number of years, and I'm hoping that this is uh, the end of that losing streak because we need a trophy badly, and I'm hoping it's an epic final with Sporting, to be honest with you, because this team really needs to beat a good team and really needs the confidence boost that would come with that, and I think it would give this manager... Uh, the confidence of his players a little bit. If uh, if he can lead them through this this murky uh, water that is the League Cup this week, the the League Cup Final Four. Of course, we're going to have to do it without our leading scorer and without our, for all intents and purposes, true captain Nicolas Otamendi and Darwin Nunez. Not with the team; they are with their national teams for a World Cup qualifying window that is happening in other parts of the world, but not in Europe. Therefore. Um, there's no stoppage for national teams. There's just players leaving 
And just like with the AFCON, with the Africa Cup of Nations, the clubs go on without those players. So uh, going to be tough in that sense, but really an opportunity for somebody else to make a name for themselves. Okay, going to take a break here real quick. And when we come back, we'll start talking about uh, these four matches. Again, I'm not going to run down the lineups or the minute-by-minutes for any of them. Um, I'm just going to go over observations I made in these matches, watching them. And, um, yeah, on the other side, we'll get into it. This is Mr. Benfica, episode 133. I'm the Mr. Mike Augustine. You follow me on Twitter. We're getting ever close to that 1,000 follower mark. That's at Benfica Mr. on Twitter and on Instagram at Mr. Benfica. And also, don't forget to check out the website, www.mrbenfica.com. By the time this episode drops, that website will be updated, and you'll see the up-to-date standings there. And, um, yeah, check it out. Give me some clicks. Give me some hits. Uh, share it with your friends. Share this episode with your friends so we can get it out to more people. Again, I've been aw- away for a while. I've been I've been quiet, I should say. So looking to get back into the swing of things. And uh, here is the start. So here is Reconquista. And on the other side, we'll get right into this episode 133 here on Mr. Benfica. Jornada sofrida, a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Até que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Carrega sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho O vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que não fico por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Carrega bem fica, carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz, o querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica 133 of Mr. Benfica general news items even though uh the club has been much of a disaster recently the only ones i'm going to talk about here tonight uh it starts with women's football of course you guys know how i feel about that team and yes i have an episode coming i know i've been promising this for like two months now but i'm putting it together hopefully this week there'll be a women's football update episode because the women's team have made a monstrous signing this past weekend 
And um, although it was a little bit traumatic with shades of, of Cavani, and um, if you remember when Darwin was signed, same thing happened. Uh, the player was to be unveiled, and suddenly the press conference was canceled. This happened again last Thursday when the club was to unveil the latest signing for the women's football team. That, of course, Portugal international Jessica Silva. And let me just start by saying how big of a signing this is and how embarrassing that would have been if this thing fell through after they had invited the press and after the press had waited three and a half hours for this press conference with the, you know, with the billboard showing her face in a Befica kit already, announcing her signing, and if the signing had fallen through. Fortunately, it did not. Okay, fortunately, the next day she was presented to the press, to the media, to the fans, to the sausage, Jessica Silva, now a Befica player. And again, this is enormous, okay? I was calling for a different Portuguese striker to be brought in. And that's mainly because I didn't think Jessica Silva was possible. Jessica Silva was playing here in the United States for Kansas City in the NWSL. Jessica Silva is the only Portuguese player to ever win the UEFA Women's Champions League. She did that in 2019-2020 with Leon. And she is one of, if not the most dangerous attacking players in the national team. Uh, has, an, has unbelievable pace. Um, has an an ability to break lines with the dribble, with the pass. She's a good forward. I cannot wait to see the way she combines with Chloe Lacasse up front. So Jessica Silva, welcome to Benfica. Bem-vindo ao Benfica. Uh, this is a massive signing. I don't think the average fan retweeting the picture really understands just how big of a signing this was. I don't think that they really understand just how big of a signing this was. Um, there is no male equivalent in terms of the level of player corresponded to the you know the level of team and the level of play. Okay, um, this is the equivalent of Benfica going out and getting a Premier League striker, and the Portuguese league being in I don't know the the Israeli league or something like that. Okay, or the Romanian league. That that's the equivalent of this level of a signing, and. Um, She's a Befiquista, so I'm excited for it. So there'll be more on that in an upcoming episode. Also, in the news, Befica lose to Sporting once again in basketball. That's nine in a row. This one was 60. I believe it was 66-63 was the final in the final of the League Cup. And, uh, yeah, nine in a row for Sporting on the hardwood against us. It's, like, impossible to lose nine in a row to a team, no matter what the the difference in level is. It's almost impossible for two professional teams for one to beat the other nine times in a row. But that's where we stand. That is the state of our club right now. That's just a microcosm. And if you're only following the football, I don't know that you fully understand just how bad the situation is at Befica right now. It's atrocious. It's not just in football. It's visible in football. But it's going on everywhere in all of the departments, especially, I should clarify, in the male sports, in the men's sports departments. Hockey's a disaster. Basketball, I just told you, keeps losing to Sporting, keeps losing to Porto. Not really a, a contender to win the title. Even volleyball, men's volleyball, lost in straight sets a week ago in the Azores to Font Bastardo. It's unheard of to lose like this. Um, there's a lot wrong with this club, and 
to be honest, the, the football team is not going to start to look better, in my opinion, until these issues within the club are resolved. There is something going on in there that we do not know about, but that the people on the inside do know about. This seems to be the one thing that's not getting leaked by whoever the moles are inside the club that leak all kinds of things. Whatever it is that is wrong in this club is not getting leaked. And it, it, it's disheartening because we're about to talk about the four, the first four matches of this second Nelson Verissimo era. And this is not going to be me, you know, this is not going to be me just, just dumping on Nelson Verissimo. I imagine he has some of the worst work conditions right now in this team, in this locker room imaginable. Because the usual bump and the usual spring in the step of the players when a new manager comes in is not in. There's something wrong with this group of players. They seem impossible to motivate. I mean, after being humiliated 3-0 at the Drago in the Cup, which landed their, their prior manager out the door, which should be a warning to everyone that your job is on the line. They go in a week later, take on Porto. We'll start with that match, okay? It was it was on December the 30th, all the way back there, still in 2021. This was the end of a year that Befikishas will be happy to see go. Uh, another bad defeat, 3-1 to one against Porto at the Dragão. Goals from, from Vieira, uh, sorry, not Vieira, goals from Vitinha, and from Pep, as well as, and it's not Pep, it's Pepe, excuse me. The, the app is not specifying the two. Uh, it was from Pepe, if I'm not mistaken. I'll go back and just double-check that. I would have remembered and been extra angry if it was Pep, but I believe it was Pepe that scored the second goal in the 37th minute. And indeed it was. It was Pepe, the Brazilian. Um, Again, Befica get a goal from Yarimchuk. Uh, the big, the big moment in this match where the match swung, I think, because Befica came out, and I had said in the previous episode that they needed to survive the early stages. They could not go down early like they did in the cup match. And for the most part, Befica did that. They made it to the thirty-fourth minute without surrendering a goal. Now, just before Vitinha scores that goal. Uh, I believe it was Vitinha. Maybe it wasn't Vitinha that scored the goal. Just a minute. Rechecking my notes here because it, it was Fabio Vieira, excuse me. Fabio Vieira who scores for Porto in the 34th. And just before that, Yarimchuk was one on one with the goalkeeper. Okay, he was played in on a a great uh quick counterattack. And this is what Benfica need to do is these quick counterattacks in these matches. Okay, the ball was collected. All right. Also, big, we didn't have Nicolas Otamendi in this match because he took what was, quite honestly, a stupid red card uh, in the cup game. Although I don't agree with the call because that kind of thing, the other team got away with all match. But he was he was sent off for a second yellow, uh, Otamendi. So he was out of this match. So we have Moratu playing on the right and we have uh, Vertonghen playing on the left. Yes, Vertonghen. Moratu and Vertonghen are the the four the two center backs. We played a 4-2-4-4-2. Verissimo uh, goes into the 4-4-2. That's one of his first adjustments. I don't like the 4-4-2. And the, the goals we gave up are a reason I don't like it. 
It also makes Uli and Weigel a below-average midfielder because it forces him to get sucked in between the two center backs. And to do that, you can do you can have anybody there. Um, Andre Almeida getting sent off again, stupid. But again, the other side gets away with with. It's unbelievable that the other side gets away the previous week with putting a hole in Darwin's foot. Okay? And for that, Fabio Cardozo is canceled once and for all on Mr. Benfica. His Benfica history, his upbringing, out the window. He's done. He's canceled. Screw you, Fabio Cardozo. And I got... <laughs> so, um, and he goes untouched in this match, by the way. Not one retaliation shot. Not one retaliation shot at Fabio Cardozo. Okay? We have weight. The team is just too nice. This is, it's it's the truth. They're just too nice. Okay? They are, it's it, it, it's humiliating. And then Andre Almeida gets himself sent off. Of course, uh, it, you know who's going to be at the middle of it when we're playing this team. It's none other than Otavio, the player I wish and I've publicly stated I hope someone breaks his leg. And I, st I stand by that. I hate Otavio. Okay? I'm a nice guy, but this guy has gone past my limit of what I can tolerate. And, of course, I think Andre Almeida tried his best, but unfortunately didn't hurt him. And, unfortunately, was got his second yellow card. And when you look at it in VAR, that foul could have been called against either, of, either Otavio or Andre Almeida. They both nailed each other to be quite honest, um, but not smart from your supposed captain. And quite honestly, I think that's the last time we saw him. Um, he went off. And then what I think is a touch of just lack of awareness, uh, he, he he points to the eagle. He tries, I guess he's trying to to earn the respect of Beifikishis, but you just put your team at a disadvantage. And this came out of time after Yadimchuk had cut it to 2-1. to one. We go, and, and Andre Almeida gets himself sent off. Okay? And although for the next 10-15 minutes, Benfica continued to look for the equalizer, and this was the best phase of the game for Benfica, was from the start of the second half to maybe 10 minutes after the sending off, after the double yellow card. This was Benfica's best phase. And they played a lot of their best football with 10 men. That said, uh, obviously, this team has a fitness problem. There's no no way around it. They These players cannot go 90 minutes, no matter what formation you play, no matter how you move the players around. There's I don't know if it's the managers just too willing to use all five substitutions, even when it doesn't call for it, if these players really cannot finish because they're so used to being substituted now. Unfortunately, Verissimo gets it all wrong on the substitution that comes after Andre Almeida's red card. Andre Almeida gets subbed off, and he brings off Yadimchuk, the goal scorer. He subs him off in the 52nd. At a time when, even though he's not playing great, he is the goal scorer. He got the only goal. He also... Missed, and I was. I think I began my point by saying it was a great play from from the back. That's right. Way back four minutes ago, I began making the point that uh, Moratu collected the ball. He found Weigel. Weigel with a brilliant 
vertical pass, finds Rafa in space. Rafa attacks the space, slides it through to Yarimchuk, and Yarimchuk has the chance to put Befica ahead. He doesn't. He mishits the ball. He doesn't hit it well enough. And moments later, Porto make it 1-0. Okay, Fabio Vieira scores moments later. Those are the little things in these big matches that are the difference between winning and losing. And honestly, this year, the difference between competing for the title and competing for third place. We're just not getting these victories. We are missing these key moments and then being punished for it immediately. Okay, and I was I got off topic because I went on on how I don't like this 4-4-2. Well, again, Andre Almeida gets called off. So as a result, uh, Lazaro comes in for Yadimchuk. Lazaro actually plays a, a pretty good match in, um, in Almeida's place. But again, this was the wrong substitution to make. This was the guy causing problems for Porto's back line. They decide to put Gonzalo Ramos, or Verissimo decides to move Gonzalo Ramos into the number nine position, which I like him better when he's free and he's able to move. And I'll talk about it in a moment when we get to the next game because Gonzalo Ramos does things that nobody else in this team does, and it's a big problem that nobody else does it. I'll get to it momentarily. But this was not the game to leave Gonzalo Ramos on his own up front. Uh, Yarumchuk much more equipped to play as a lone striker. He plays his best for Befica with his back to goal. Pinned between the two center backs, in my opinion. He brings that. That's the little something also that nobody else in this roster does. Everybody else wants to face goal. Everybody else wants to run. Everybody else wants to get into channels. Yardimchuk has no problem posting up, putting defenders on his back, holding the ball up, waiting for help. Problem is, nobody seems to know how to combine with him. And I refuse to accept that he's not good enough to play for Benfica when he was one of the best forwards at Euro 2020. He's good enough to play for Benfica. There is, again, something wrong. And I and I don't know if it's the players just not taking instruction. Um, I don't know if it's Fabio Verissimo. But it can't be, sorry, not Fabio, Nelson Verissimo's uh, incompetence because this was something that was going on before him. Okay, this went on with JJ. There is something in which some of it may be a language barrier, but I have a hard time believing that also because just about every one of these players speaks some English. But nobody seems to know how to combine with each other in the front, in the attack. Whether it's Seferovic and Darwin, they look atrocious playing together. Whether it's Yarmchuk and Darwin. Whether it's it's Gonzalo Ramos and Yarimchuk, whether it's Gonzalo Ramos and and Seferovic, you name it, any combination right now of forwards that are put on do not combine with each other. They have, there's no synchrony. There's no there's no compatibility with each other for whatever reason. And again, Benfica, they they do okay for a little while. They can't get it equalized, and eventually Taremi makes it three to one. And it was a better effort, but still a lot not not done well. And of course, you know, as if things aren't tough enough, nothing throws in the towel like a 66-minute substitution, bringing in PZ and Adel Tarap and Harris Seferovic. All three of them. Of course, Seferovic brought in to try to correct the error of taking out Yadimchuk. So now a bad substitution creates the need to make another substitution. 
I'm giving I'm giving Nelson Verissimo a pass on this one. If you remember, this was the day his mother was buried, okay, or the day after, whatever. This is when he was dealing with something far more important than football. And again, these these changes were not well made, but I'm I'm not putting that on him. I think the club should have put someone else in charge for this match. I respect what he did that he left his his mother's funeral proceedings. Um, or preparations to go run the training and then return to his family the next morning and then met the team at the Dragon. Uh, but honestly, someone at the club should have had the common sense to say, start this next weekend. Okay, get through this tough point with your family. We'll see you on Monday. And you put even Rui Costa in charge. Who cares? If it's about the coaching licensing, there's, there's no lack of... Coaches within the Benfica setup that could have taken charge for this one match. Given the extreme circumstances, that would have been the appropriate, uh, the appropriate action, in my opinion. Would have been to put just about any, put Luis Castro if you want, put any other manager in the setup. Okay, put Pietra in charge. Pietra is not; it was not even on the bench for this match. This uh, Nelson Verissimo did not even have his staff with him for this match. So a makeshift staff thrown together at the last minute. His staff wasn't even announced until after this match, and then Pietra was named to that staff. And but Pietra should have been in charge of this match. He's been around the team for years. This would have been the situation to put him in charge. Um, let him put the team. And get them going, okay? Um, and give Verissimo the time he needed, I think. I know he wanted to be there. I don't doubt that for a second. He's a he's an upstanding professional. And even everyone that wants him out admits that he's a great professional and seemingly a good guy and all that. And I know we don't... We've gotten a lot of that lately at this club. But um, I think that Pietra should have put, been put in charge of this match given the outstanding circumstances. Either way, Benfica drop three points and lose contact with the two rivals in the front. A week later, at home to Passos de Ferreira. Um, and uh, <laughs> Otamendi picks up a yellow card in this one, which many think should have been red. There was some, there was some, uh, there was some controversy in this match, if you will, some polemica uh, around that. Uh, I know... My Canadian friends probably gasped for air, probably lost their breath a little bit when Otamendi came down on Steven, Stefan, Ostaku, however you want to pronounce it. I see Steven when I see that. S-T-E-P-H-E-N. In American English, we would say Steven. A lot of times he's he, it's it's Stefan. You take your choice. Um, I've never heard it. I'm sure he has stated which one it is, but I've never heard it so uh, once I hear him say which pronunciation it is, I will take that. Of course, if the reports I'm hearing that he's signing with Port are true, he also will be canceled on this podcast. That's right. You sign with Port, you are canceled. That's rule number one in Benfica Nation. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you've been. You sign with Porto, you are canceled. Okay. So, again, Benfica do get the win on this one. Uh, they played a decent first half. Uh, big change I saw in this one. Again, he goes to the 4-4-2, and again, I don't like it. And again, it makes our midfield center, our center midfield two, oh, it just overstretched. That's what I don't like about the four in the middle. I don't have a problem with four in the back in so much uh, in this one. Uh, Moratu, Otamendi, Gilberto, and Grimaldo were the four selected. Um, I really think 
we need the three-man backline when Vertonghen plays. Vertonghen's lack of pace gets a spurn. Okay. Uh, he... He does much better when Otamendi is playing almost like a sweeper with, you know, with a right center back to the other side. But I get it. We're not going back to that. Um, again, more, I'm more concerned, though. What we do need is more. We need three in the center of midfield more than than we need to worry about how many go at the back at this point, in my opinion, from what I'm seeing right now. Because when we go to 4-4-2, Weigel and Dromadiu are being asked to cover too much space. Interestingly enough, Florentino has been recalled from Getafe. I'm hopeful that that means that Verissimo is going to the 4-3-3 that he uses at the B team. I want to see him implement his style before we try to to do too much. Okay, I think he's he has a level of success with it at on the B team. Yes, in the second division. However, enough of these players have played in that system. Um, a number of them have played for him in that system. And if Florentino returns, and he is returning, that is the system for Florentino to play. And I guess what I'm saying, I guess what I'm saying here, and this was a good game for João Mario, even though, I, as I said, he had a lot more space to cover. He had a good a good uh, performance in this one, getting a goal for himself and, and then an assist. But, um, what I'm trying to say is I think that the manager needs to make some decisions thinking about more than just the match at hand. We're at a stage in the season. We're not going to win the league. I'm sorry to say that. It's not that I've lost my faith. I hope I'm wrong. I will be happy to eat crow on this, but I don't see it. I don't see Porto even losing another game this season. At least not until they've locked it up. Uh, it's going to be very, very hard to recover nine points or whatever we are behind right now. But the manager needs to get this team going in the right direction. And we need to begin to to see what our future is. And we need to build a base. This team has no base right now. This team is a bunch of individuals thrown together on a pitch. And the biggest weakness, it started to show in this match, and it got even more evident in the Morerens match, and again in the Oroca match. There is no team synchronized movements. And what I mean by that, nobody is moving in any direction other than north-south in a straight line. So when people say that, you know, Weigel and João Mario are not playing as well as they did, okay, I ask you to pause your feed. Or when people say that we don't have creative players in this team, and no, Adele Tarap is not a cre creative player. Losing the ball nine out of ten times that you have it does not make you creative. I think he, he has the intention to be creative. I think at one time in his career, he probably had the ability to be creative. I think he has the vision. The problem is his, his execution is never on, so that's not creative. But the reason... We're not seeing create creativity starts with the uh, the lack of off the ball movement. Okay, I again whether it's Rafa running with the ball unless he's running at pace and Befica have numbers, you will see that everyone is either watching the ball carrier or running in a straight line. 
from north to south. And what I mean by north to south, you know, from towards the opponent's goal in a straight line. There is absolutely no side-to-side -side movement. Nobody from the outside is coming inside, opening a lane for someone else to run. They're not opening lanes for each other. They're not. It becomes so easy to defend, and this is why Benfica has such difficulty against teams that pack it in, against teams that sit, you know, with two lines of four and sit deep, even two lines of five deep. And just block shots and, and win crosses. The reason is it's because Benfica run right at them. They don't make any of them come out of their places. They don't get in between the lines. They don't move side to side. The one player who moves side to side that I'm seeing is Gonzalo Ramos. Okay? And he was dropped for the Morenes match when I knew that was a match we were going to need him. Because, again, Moreirense, we're going to talk about them in a second. They play a 3-4-3. Same as Sporting. We have so much difficulty against that formation that we used to play, which is insane because we were playing it for a calendar year. From the middle of last season to the middle of this season, we used that system. And we cannot break it down. We played against it every day in training. No wonder JJ went to it because we probably... I'm going to guess that in training, the offensive team got nothing accomplished for a year, judging by the way they play against that system in the league. They just continue to go wide and to force in crosses to where the other, our forwards are always outnumbered. There's such low probability in those plays that they will result in goals. And then we sit here and we look at Benfica in a goal drop. But in this one against Paz Fajeda, we... Pasuj came out a little bit more. They did play in a 4-2-3-1, okay? And there was the red card to Danielson, which came... Um, let me give you the minute that it came. It came fairly early, if my mind serves me right. It's been a while. <laughs> it came in the 45th plus one at the end of the first half. So, again, Befica played half a game against 10. And, again, had a hard time scoring. But one of the big... We did get a goal from Grimaldo in this. And I do want to point to this part here. Okay? And one change that was made that I noticed. Okay? And the lineup in this one. Okay? The 4-4-2. Uh, the four in the middle. It was Weigel, João Mario, and then Rafa on the right. Everton on the left. And this was Everton's best match probably. Uh, this season, one of his best matches. And the big change that Verissimo implemented that I liked, if you cut the field into, you know, in the pitch into its five channels, the you have your, your, your left channel, your left center channel, your center channel, right center channel, and right channel. Down the left channel is usually Grimaldo's area of the pitch, forcing Everton to play in the center channel However, when he plays in the not the center, excuse me, the left center channel, and when he plays in that left center channel, he often runs into the same spaces, into the same locations that Darwin likes to make his runs. Darwin was not in the lineup today. It was Harris Seferovic today on this day. Um, Seferovic was in the lineup because Darwin was out injured, and Everton was playing wide in the left channel with Grimaldo in the left center channel. They switched channels. 
And this did one of two, this did two things that I thought was very positive. But of course, Everton uh, would be out of the next match. But um, important, the change was in that change was you got a much better match from Everton. He started to run at guys freely again. He started to believe. He put some balls into dangerous spaces. And you got Grimaldo getting the ball about 10, 15 yards or 10 meters or so to the inside. And now when Grimaldo's running at, with the ball in that channel, with Everton playing wide, he has an option to his left, an option to his right, an option to cross, and an option to shoot. When he plays all the way wide on the left, he usually only has an option to his right because he's playing touchline wide. And his only option is usually to cross. Now, he shoots well. He scored two goals this season. This was the second in this one. Again, that little bit of adjustment in the spaces that these players were going to occupy offensively gave it, it, it gave Benfica a goal in this one. It, it, it led to a goal because Grimaldo now gets the ball in the left center channel, approaching the box, and he has the option to pass, shoot, dribble, he had all three options, which forced the defense to position themselves a little bit differently, and it opened the shooting lane, and Grimaldo did not disappoint putting the ball in the top corner off the post. Benfica went 2-0 in this one, okay? And if you were one of the really positive Benficistas, you're saying this is the beginning of the run. This was good. You know, you're looking for similarities to the, the Hiwav match that... that Brutalage debuted in, in which uh, João Félix started the way Gonçalo Ramos started this one. And, um, you know, you're thinking, okay, this is the start of a winning streak. Well, that does not happen. As you know, we got Morerens on the next weekend. And one of the worst teams in the league come in with a manager I can't stand in, Sapinto. And the worst part of this was that it was, was seeing him celebrate uh, you had two clownish goals, uh, although Darwin returns to the goal-scoring form. Uh, and the only reason Darwin scored that goal is because he's the only player on this team that does not give up on the ball. He, he mishit it once, stayed with it, and managed to put it into the goal. Uh, also, you know, a COVID, a COVID uh, attack, outbreak I guess you would say occurred in the team and at the same time just like them I experienced COVID um, I'm sure by now most of you have as well uh, This I had the Omicron variant and to be fairly honest to, not to be fair to be precisely honest with you I've had worse seasonal allergies and I have not disclosed this but I had, I had COVID way back in the beginning before people really knew what it was and that was one thing, and Omicron was not that. But um, so a lot of these players, I I have to think it's not taking too much out of them. Okay, but again, Mefica missing players, but that is no excuse. Uh, just again, an inability to to find the back of the net. Okay, an inability to. Make intelligent runs. You're seeing, again, a less inspired Rafa, less inspired João Mario. Paulo Bernardo gets the start in this one. Excites people. Excited me. I don't know how much it resulted. Uh, 
But uh, you got Odie in goal. You got a back four again with Gilberto, Otamendi, Moratu, and Grimaldo. Uli and Weigel is playing in the hole as a real number six. I don't really like this for him. Um, it is what it is. <laughs> to quote our manager, it is what it is, his favorite saying. Uh, in front of him, Paul Bernardo, João Mario, and Rafa with Herrick, Seferovic, and Darwin. Uh, in a, in the attack together, not really on the same page at any point in this match, really just confusing each other, getting in each other's way. Um, I guess a decent performance uh, but in in uh, the midfield, but again, you're facing a team with no intention of coming forward, a team playing with a 3-4-3. I'll, I'll go through Moreirense's uh, Lineup: The goalkeeper is, is Kelvin. Uh, the three at the back are Tur George is the right center back. The deep lying center back, of course, Canada captain Stephen Vitoria. And um, see, he spells it with the V, as opposed to Ostaki, who spells it with the PH. But it is, again, um, yeah, hit me up with whatever one is the right pronunciation for which. But of course, if he signs with Porto, I may just intentionally mispronounce his name. For the rest of time, uh, this is but this one is Steven Vitoria. He uh, would play a role in this match, and Pablo is the left center back. The four in midfield: Paulinho on the right, Fabio Pacheco and Ibrahima in the center. Pedro Amador down the left with three forwards: Rafael Martins center, Jan to his right, and Walterson to his left. Now, Benfica had the ball for much of the match. I mean, seventy-five percent almost. Of possession for Benfica in this one. Uh, 16 total shots, 10 total chances, uh, 494 accurate passes for Benfica to 137 accurate passes for Moreirense. However, at the end of the day, the, the spoils were split, no matter what the statistics say. Benfica could not break down Moreirense for the life of them. Again, their goal came off a broken play, just as Moreirense's did. And a broken play that I might add should not have uh, stood for Moreirense. And again, the referee and the VAR come into question here. And this is probably the worst refereeing I've ever seen. I'm glad. I will go on the record and say that I'm glad Benfica issued a statement about how poor the refereeing has been. It's about 20 years too late. Personally, I'm tired of the high road. The high road has gotten us nowhere. The high road gets us humiliated week after week as referees refuse to give call penalties for us. Referees refuse to call the game evenly to have the same criteria for both teams. We see all our goals overanalyzed by VAR. They, they take an eternity to rule our goals a goal. We've seen too many clean goals from us called back. See, too many questionable ones for other teams go their way. So, no, I, I, yeah, it comes at a bad time when we're, when we're dipping in form and when the, the season's slipping away. But that's only a bad time because they didn't do it when they should have. Our, our two rivals have been doing this for years. The high road got us nowhere. The high road got us nowhere. In fact, now that we've complained, you've seen we've been given a penalty. This week against Oroco, we finally got a penalty called in our favor. Unfortunately, it's the way that the referees in Portugal have allowed the game to be 
to be run. It's a way that the league has allowed. The league has never punished our rivals seriously for any of the intimidation tactics they use with referees. We just sit there and be quiet all the time. It's about time that the club came out and said something. I'm I'm not into this whole fake integrity stuff. I'm not into this this uh you know holier than thou attitude when your team is just getting kicked by everybody. It's time we start you know, and the people that represent our club start defending the club and start standing up for the club. Enough is enough. Until we do that, it's going to continue. Until we remind the referees that it's not in their best interest to screw us over, they will screw us over fearing someone else. So, unfortunately, until the league and the federation get a hold of this, this is what we need to do to survive. Anyway, Morinus's goal—it's an own goal. It's—it's it's almost laughable. However, Rafael Martinez is offside on this play. He tries to head it. He—I don't care about the. I've heard them go back and forth, and it's funny when it's against Benfica. The referee analysts will go to the thing about the line—the line of sight. That's. Line of sight is only one way to be involved in the play. If you make a play at the ball, you are in the play. I said this back way back in episode like five when we played Porto at the Dragão and they scored that illegal goal because Pep was sitting in an offside position in front of the goalkeeper and then ducked out of the way of the ball. That should have been called back for an offside because if you duck out of the way of the ball, that is playing the ball. If you jump in the air and try to head the ball, or if you jump in the vicinity of the ball, you are playing the ball. This goal should have been invalidated immediately. There's no excuse. The representatives, or I should say the representatives, the te television personalities, if you will, the hosts on BTV, on Befica TV, did confirm to Antonio Rola after the match that BTV did not ever at any point in the match receive an image with the line shown, because obviously it would have shown him offside. There was no way you were going to play with that. However, because of that, Nicholas Otamendi misheads it the first time. It comes off of... I don't remember if it comes off of the forward, or if it comes off of... off of Moratu first, and then Otamendi goes to clear it. He slides, eh, or he... he Reaches, I should say, with his foot. He reaches, and while lying down, he kicks it off of Moratu and into the goal. And just like that, Benfica are down in the 61st minute. And in an equal, equally clumsy defensive display at the other end, uh, I think it was Vitoria heads it off of the back of his center, his uh, center midfielder, and the ball. Falls to Darwin, who goes in on a breakaway, miss kicks it, forcing a save, and then getting the rebound and burying it. Darwin scores his 15th of the season there. It's one-to-one. -one. If you could try everything, but they cannot get a winner. And time eventually expires. Hugo Miguel, if I'm not mistaken, was the absolutely horrible referee in this match. And then again, VAR, nowhere to be found. And it's, 
Again, not not a good display from Befica either. We saw some absolutely award-winning time-wasting from Morenes, though. Uh, Grimaldo talked about it in the Flash interview. He, he took a shot at Morenes for not playing any football. Um, listen, I, I criticize others when they do that. If you can't beat a team that sits in, you have no right to, to complain. Okay, nothing, nothing infuriates me more than when on BTV after we beat somebody five or six nothing that our commentators go and praise the other team for coming out and trying to play. No, no more obvious than when we beat Braga six to one not that long ago. They came out and tried to play, and <laughs> well, the blueprint in beating Benfica is very simple, and it's not coming out and trying to play. Um. You know, they opened themselves up and then created a situation where they had to leave themselves exposed for the rest of the game. And because we're very good in transition, in, in, in counterattack, we buried them. Problem is, you can't get into a counterattacking game unless you're winning. And we struggled to get that first goal. And Moreres, and I'm going to give them credit for not coming out to play. Because if they had come out and tried to play and try to build out of the back and try to possess and try to send guys forward. We would have we would have done to them what we did to other teams that have tried that. So Sapinto, for as much as a dud as he is, is smart enough to no, not go in there and try to be Barcelona all of a sudden. He understands against Benfica, deep-lying defensive lines, okay? Stay disciplined, don't give away spaces, and win crosses. And we played right into that. Again, we seem to have this problem playing against a three-man back line because we just continue to play the ball into the part of the air, the pitch where they have the most people. It's always five on two in the area, and we continue to send balls. They give us the width, and we just force crosses. And... Again, to talk about Steven Vittori, and I actually got a I got a message on Twitter during the week uh, after this match from uh, from our good friend Neil up there in Canada. Says, you know, remind me, there's Steven Vittori again, and he reminded me of the 2012-2013 season, and he's right. The week before, Kelvin scored that goal that stole the title from us and put JJ on his knees. The week before at the Stade de Luge, we dropped two points to an Israel side in large part due to the defending of Steven Vitoria. I remember that. He, Neil is right. I do remember that. Um, yeah, the, the best Steven Vitoria moment in this match, though, it was at the end when Morirens is doing all the time wasting, and I think it was Artur Josh. He he takes his time. The referee gives him a yellow card for time wasting. Instead of taking the the instead of taking the kick, Steven Vitoria snaps his fingers, points to the goalkeeper, Kelwin, and points him over. And Kelwin goes to take the kick, and Kelwin wastes the time until he gets a yellow card. It was Elder Kondutu even said that Vitoria gets the play of the of the match there for for orchestrating that time wasting double yellow card. And I said immediately. For those of you in North America know what I mean when I say that is some serious CONCACAF region. In the CONCACAF region, we see that nonsense all the time. 
You go to play at Panama or at Honduras, and it starts in the first minute. And it starts with the going down and, and holding your, your hamstring, then kicking it out, and then getting a yellow card for time-wasting. And then your teammate comes in, and he gets a yellow card for time-wasting. is did that to a T. I don't know if they were really Moreirense or they were the Guatemala national team in this one. I mean, I mean that's got to be the captain Stephen Vitoria's, you know, experienced uh, experience in Concacaf because Benfica got Concacaf in this game. And if you live in Europe, you have no idea what I'm talking about, but it's a term we use here in North America. Um, basically, whenever you know, weird things happen on the pitch or whenever excessive time wasting happens. It's it's something we call getting CONCACAFed. So in the CONCACAF region, all of almost all of the teams rely on that against, you know, the United States, Mexico and Canada. The the Costa Rica also, the the, the better teams. So yeah, that's what this reminded me of, this Modinas performance. It reminded me of watching Guatemala just sit in against Mexico and do everything to get that nil-nil draw. Um, again, not a good game for Benfica. Not a, none of these have been particularly good games. And, you know, it's it's another two points dropped. And this pretty much put us out of put us out of contention at that point. And um yeah, it, it, the only good thing was Braga lost on that weekend as well, which allowed us to actually gain a point with that <laughs> with that draw. But it really felt like a loss. It was a loss for all intents and purposes. And, you know, Benfica feel it slipping away now. One last uh, match to talk about was this past weekend against uh, against Roca on the, on the road. It was actually on Friday night. Um, again, the first half was... One of the worst halves of football I've ever seen Befica play. Um, just just atrocious. And fortunately for Befica, we got a we got a penalty kick there in the first uh, half. And it was, Darwin was the player that was taken down. And it was a good call. And there you there I go, you know, making my point that criticizing the referees publicly one week leads to the next week getting a penalty kick. And Darwin steps up, buries it, his 16th of the season. Moments later, we concede a penalty kick. And I heard this mentioned on one of the podcasts. I, I don't remember. It was one of the Portuguese-languaged ones. But Odie in goal um, is a good... Like, we know he's a good shot stopper, but he has weaknesses in things like coming out, playing crosses, or in catching crosses and this particular pundit was saying that it's you're starting to notice it on Befica's defenders a lack of confidence in their goalkeeper and on this penalty play this penalty kick that was conceded Odie completely showed why everyone's questioning you know his ability to be you know the keeper going forward for this team and and it seems almost too obvious that Befica do need an upgrade in the goalkeeping position and he just Makes a mess of this one coming out and ends up having to take the player down. And it is a penalty kick for Roca. Is Juan Basu will step up. Juan Basu, interestingly enough, was the player who took down Darwin for the penalties. He steps up and tries to redeem himself by taking a penalty of his own. But my goodness, people, this was 
I would say this is the worst penalty I've ever seen. He goes up there and tries to do his Bruno Fernandes slash uh, Jorginho slash whatever, PZ hop. You know, when they run up to the ball, they hop, and then on the landing, they play it. He tries to do that. He does it. He lands. Odie doesn't bite, which forces him to kick the ball right at Odie, the inside of his foot, nice and slow. Odie lays down and saves it with his legs. Uh, just an absolutely terrible penalty, which obviously kept Pifika in the lead, which is very important. Um, couple of substitutions. Everton came on for Yadimchuk. Tough, tough showing again for Yadimchuk. Um, again, I believe that there's a player there and there's something that's, there's some kind, there's some disconnect into why it's not working for her. It can't just be the player because you look at the signings, right? And we have the same thing to say about all of them. You look at the high money, the high price signings we've made, whether it's, it's Weigel, Everton, or Yarimchuk, okay, Darwin, the four of them, and look at the way that, one, they're scrutinized, but these are four expensive signings, three of them experienced players, okay, three of them, we know they can't all be a bust, okay, Everton right now working out the best out of them, but that's simply because he's finding the back of the goal on his own, not because he's fitting into a team concept or into a team dynamic well, and not because he's getting good service and because, you know, the team around him is setting him up. And Darwin's still doing enough wrong where we can't say that, you know, the, the thing is that his saving grace is that what he's doing right is he's finding the back of the net. But, you know, you look at it, Weigel, there's lots of criticism. And I still don't believe we've seen his potential in this team. We haven't seen Everton's potential. We haven't seen Yadimchuk's potential in this team. So it's, you know, something isn't right. And it can't just be that all these players are not good. No, I don't believe it. If it was one or two, maybe. But you look down the list of players that have come in and just can't mesh with our squad and can't be worked in. It's just... It's mind-blowing, and I think that there is something deeper that needs to be resolved within this team. What it is, I can't begin to speculate, but there's something there. Um, yeah, in the second half, you know, you get more more uh, of the same. Befica playing slightly better, I guess. Um, again, you see all the substitutions you've been seeing. Nothing, nothing really new from the manager. And in the end, in the 90th plus two, Grimaldo takes a free kick. That free kick finds the run of Gonzalo Ramos, and the kid makes it 2-0, scoring, uh, I believe, his first or his second goal of the season. Double-check that for Gonzalo Ramos. Um, it's 2-0 to Benfica. It is, you know, full-time 2-0. And... If you could pick up three points, which is important, you can't you can't downplay that. It is important to get the two, the three points. Um, again, I see a much bigger. I see, and I think that the the club needs to see this with a much bigger picture, much more big picture. You know, um, much more big picture point of view. And yeah, that was the second goal of the season for Gonzalo Drumbush. Um You got to look at this. You know. For the future, because what's happened is for years, we, we, we rely on short-term fixes to get by. Short-term fixes. 
fire the manager, sign a player, sack a player, right? The problem is there's not a system there for players to come into. And I think that's partly why it's also difficult for players to adapt to this team. Things just need to start functioning better. And players, when they arrive, need to know they're arriving at a club that's going to give them what they need to succeed. Right now, I don't believe there is a, you know, there's a manager, the quality that we want, that's willing to take this job. And think about it for a minute. What manager wants to come into a club that now everybody knows the players have run three managers out the door? Okay. This group of players have quit on three managers and three managers have left. You think that's going to attract anybody worth their weight in gold? I have a hard time believing that. So the reason for, the reason Nelson Verissi was the right guy right now is because he has to be the first one to go in and clean this up. There are elements of this team that have to leave. Okay, even even at the cost of a short of short term, you know, of stepping back a little in the short term. I really think we need to put a long term vision on this for once. Otherwise, we're just going to continue to have the same problem. Okay, we win for a couple seasons or or we don't, you know, and we stay in the same place all the time. Same place all the time. Okay, we spend X amount on players, yet we remain in the same place all the time. The club needs to go in another direction. They need to instill a, a philosophy and a methodology into this club, and not just into this team, but into this club. Okay, this this team needs to become a club again. And it just seems like the players on the, on this team are above everything. They're above the badge, they're above the the you know, the team, they're above the supporters. It it just seems like there's no consequences for any of these players. They just ran another manager out and I'm not here to defend the manager, but it's telling when a player, uh, a manager drops a player. The player refuses to be dropped. His teammates rally around him and refuse to play for the manager. And the president comes out and takes the the takes the side of the players. That doesn't exactly add up. There's something behind the scenes. Again, like I say, something is not right, and that needs to be resolved. And in the meantime, Nelson Verissimo needs to be given time to manage. Because he needs to find solutions. He needs to evaluate every player that's in this team. And he, along with you know the other decision makers of the club, need to identify what needs to get out of this club. Before we can talk about what we're going to go out and bring in, we need to just figure out what, what has to get out of this club. Now, I'm not in that locker room. I'm not around the team every day. I can only see like you do from the television. Okay, so I can't, I can't say with any certainty what it is, but there's something that needs to be kicked out of this club, whether it's a player, whether it's a player's manager, a player's agent, whether it's who knows what, whatever the issues are, need to be found and resolved. Whether it's it's and it, it there are players where we can't just wait to sell them. Okay, this club has been built, or this team has been built, the squad has been built, with the only stra strategy seems to be economic. It's been built with players that can 
potentially be resold. And that has not translated well to the chemistry on the pitch. That has not translated well to what the team has become on the pitch. Because the players are not all that compatible. I just said that. It's taken, you know, it's been two years now and we're just seeing the same problems. The players do not, the sum do not equal, the players do not equal the sum of their parts. So, there's players that have to go. And if you can sell, that's great. But there's some players you can't sell and you just have to come to a, a decision, you know, and you have to come to a, an agreement on how you're going to part ways. Some of them might be veterans. Some of them might not. But if you think you're going to sell a Delta Raptor, you're going to sell Pizzi, or you're going to sell Andrea Almeida, that's not going to happen. Okay. Uh, Benfica, these players are on very good salaries with Benfica. And the teams that can afford those salaries aren't going to be interested in these players. Okay. So there are players I think you're just going to have to let go. Or you find a loan deal where you find a team that's willing to take them on loan for the rest of their contract. And you come to some agreement as to how that player gets paid to save a few a few euros on, on your end in payroll. But some of these players need to go. Um, again, I'm happy to see Florentino come back. I think if we're going to play 4-3-3, that he needs to be the guy in the six. That's literally his system. Does that mean Julian Weigel plays as a right center mid or as a left center mid, which pairs up with Joe Mario? I don't know. Possibly. Or maybe Weigel's just... Maybe it's time to see what we look like without him. I don't know. I'm a huge fan of the player, but it's not working. I don't think he's he's reached his potential, like I said, at this club. And it's not like his value is soaring uh, for him. Uh, he's kind of fallen out of sight of his national team coach. So maybe it's time to have to make a decision. Is it not better for all parties if there's a willing buyer for the right price? And maybe it's time to part ways with Julian Weigel. He's, a, he's one of your guys that has real value. And I think he's a good player. And in the right system, he's going to do very, very good. And for whatever reason, he just... It doesn't work with these players that are around him. Not to the level that it should. Um, yeah. I can't believe I'm saying that. But, you know, in thinking about long-term solutions, well... His, his salary um, is a big one, and I don't know that we're getting enough from him to justify it at this point. And again, if, if Florentino can do something here in that position, you know, again, uh, when it comes to Florentino, I have, I have huge, huge um, hopes for him still and belief in him. Um, his intelligence, his football IQ, it, it it's too too high for him to just go un, unutilized, and he will eventually find a fit somewhere. I hope it's with Benfica, and I hope it's under Nelson Verissimo. And, and if nothing else, Nelson Verissimo, part of his job is is this, is, is getting these players that belong to us evaluated, get them on the pitch, let us see what they can do, give them an opportunity, and figure out where we go next summer, you know.
that that's my two cents there on where we are. That brings us up to speed. So um, brings us into the final four of the Toss of the Liga coming up, of course, Tuesday versus Boavista, and then hopefully Saturday uh, in the final against either Sporting or Santa Clara. The results, the rest of the results in uh, round 19 of the Portuguese League, the Liga Portugal B win. We already went over Oroca nil, Benfica 2, Passos Ferreira 1, Boavista 1, Moreirense nil, Santa Clara 2, Tondela 2, Vizela 3, and then the big one on Saturday, Sporting Club Portugal 1, Sporting Club Braga 2, the Lions beaten in stoppage time at home by the Bishops, by uh, Os Guerreiros do Minho. And, well, Braga keep pace with us for third place. We make up some space on Sporting for second place, but unfortunately, Porto now with a six-point lead. Here's the table in Liga Portugal after 19 rounds. Porto in the lead, 53 points from 19 matches. Sporting second with 47, and we sit third now with 44. Only three points behind Sporting. And below us in fourth is Braga. They have 35 points. They've got some cushion between them and fifth place, Gil Vicente. But they are nine points uh, behind us right now. So we're sitting in a decent spot to at least lock up that third position. Fifth place, like I said, is Gil Vicente, 30 points. Vitória Guimarães, sixth with 27. Estoril. 7th with 25, also on 25 is Portimonense in 8th. Maritimo is ninth on 24 points in Santa Clara, now 10th with 20 points. As a string of good results have them getting some distance between them in the relegation zone. 11th place right now, you have three teams on 19 points. So 11th place is Bovista, 12th is Passos Ferreira and Vizela, 13. 13th place, all of them, of course, as I said, with 19 points. Tondela, the black and yellow, uh, sorry, the yellow and green, I should say, are 14th with 17 points. Moreres, out of the relegation zone, um, they have 16 points on 19 matches. Same as Famalicão, but Moreres with the tiebreaker over Famalicão right now. Famalicão in the playoff spot, the promotion relegation playoff um, against third place of the second division. They have 16 points from 19 matches. Roca, 17th with 14 points, and Bisad in the basement with 12 points. The league leaders in goals right now, Darwin is the leader with 15. I thought he had 16. I guess it's 15. He's one better than Luis Diaz, Gil Vicente's Fran is next, as is Mediterremi, both with 11. Uh, Ricardo Horta of Braga has 10. He's in fifth. So, Liga Portugal fixtures for the next round. Um, the next round will be played, of course, starting Thursday, January the 27th. You have Istoril taking on Roca. On Sunday, January 30th, Portimonense take on Tondela, Vizela take on Vitória Guimarães, Braga take on Moreirense, Porto host Maritimo, and then on Monday you have Estoril versus Passos de Ferreira and Famalicão hosting Aroca, 
And then the teams involved in the Final Four will play on Wednesday, February the 2nd. That will uh, wrap up this episode 123 of Mr. Benfica. Thank you for hanging with me. Went, uh, well, it went a little over an hour. But um, again, thank you for uh, sticking with me through you know, these long delays. Uh, I appreciate every each and every single listener. And don't don't be shy if you got any suggestions, any criticisms, any comments to hit me up on Twitter at Benfica Mister. Uh, just drop me a DM and I'll be happy to to uh, respond. I, I love interacting with the listeners. Um, I'll be back when I can. Okay, I again um, definitely this weekend because we got to talk about the women's team and we got to talk about the final four and I got to get the I got to get that out. So. Hopefully this weekend you'll hear from me again and uh, I'll be back with another episode of Mr. Benfica. Until then, thank you for listening and Cajega Benfica, Forza Benfica, we are Benfica, Damo 38. I'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.